my, my friend, and really many of you, um, he's a friend of yours as well. And that is um, Pastor Joe Davis. And uh, yeah, you know Joe. Joe's been here many years, but more importantly, he's a friend to the recovery community. He's pastor of Grace Life, and I'm, I'm so privileged to be involved there with Joe, and uh, they meet at McCurdy's on Sunday morning, and uh, of course, they have Grace Life Recovery on Monday nights, and many of you attend on Monday nights. Um, their ministry is far but widespread here in our region, and uh, he just has a heart for all of us, and so tonight, would you welcome my friend and really a lot of your friend as well, Pastor Joe Davis. You're welcome. Go out there. I am. Be careful. Yes, thank you very much. Love you. Social distance, please. All right. Um, first of all, let me just... Uh, Echo what Brian said, I do love the recovery community here in Sarasota. It has a special place in my heart because, uh, um, I don't know if you understand it, but I have learned more from you than I ever could have dreamed of learning in seminary about being a pastor. I mean, I mean that. So tonight, I'm just going to take, it's not really a sermon, it's more of a, of a topical discussion on this idea of desperation and how it's a gift. So um, you can... Good, the slides are up. Have you ever, uh, have you ever felt desperation? <laughs> to what level? And just kind of th think about this in your own head and try to, on a scale of one to ten, to what level did your desperation go when you felt it? You know, and, and maybe ask the question, what caused it? Maybe it was addiction. <clears throat> maybe it was a relapse. Maybe it was consequences of bad decisions. Maybe it was relationship-driven. <laughs> Maybe it was just an emotional breakdown. Maybe it was some, some sort of life-threatening event. Maybe it was financial desperation. Maybe it was desperation through grief and loss. See, desperation, if you tried to, you know, there's a, there's a Webster's definition, but then I have a definition that kind of works for me. It's the emotional result of recognizing when I have lost all control of all my circumstances and defeat is right there looming on the horizon. That's how I would describe desperation. And so like from an earthly perspective, right, desperation means impending hopelessness, calamity and helplessness are just around the corner. They're at the doorstep. And it often comes, desperation does, right when life has dealt us a terrible blow that is beyond our limits, beyond our control. And humanly speaking, desperation is not an envious place. Boy, I wish I was desperate like they are. Most people, if we're honest, we never want to experience desperation in any way because it is extremely frightening. That's why desperation can be undesirable. It can be ugly. Desperation is unsavory. It's embarrassing, right? And you can understand why people do everything they can to avoid desperation. But 
there is a moment, right? And I think you would agree with me, especially in the recovery community. There is a moment when desperation is not ugly. It is absolutely beautiful. When it drives us to cry out for Jesus and not caring who hears us or what they think about it. That moment that desperation, the thing that we fear so much, provides liberation, salvation, healing, and purpose. I was looking through the steps this afternoon as I was writing this, and it occurred to me that steps one through nine seem to have the requirement of desperation built into them <laughs> to keep us moving successfully along. So with that in mind, I'd like to pose a question. Is it possible that desperation should be seen as the greatest gift we could ever receive? I'm just going to read a passage to you in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And they came to Jericho. This was Jesus and his disciples. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho, his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside. And when they heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, shut up. Well, that's the King Joe version. They says, be silent in the Bible. Be quiet. But when they told him to be quiet, you know what the scripture says? He cried out even louder. <laughs> son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they, they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. Jesus is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he rose and recovered his sight. And then he followed Jesus along the way. You know, blind and hopeless. That's who Bartimaeus was, sitting on the busy, busy roadside, asking for money. Being blind, begging is really the only profession he can pursue. Blindness had a terrible stigma back then. If you were blind, it was considered actually a punishment from the very hand of God. That's what they thought. The blind became, because of that, outcast physically. They were outcast spiritually. They were outcast socially. It's a sad state of affairs if you're a blind person in first century Israel. They are the bottom of the barrel. Nobody wants to be around them. They take too much trouble. Sound familiar? Every day he was forced to beg for his daily needs. But on this day, he hears something different. He hears an unusual commotion in his normal begging spot. And he asks, what's going on? They say, oh, it's Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth and his disciples. And he sees for the first time in his life, first time, a window of opportunity that never was available to him before. And he relentlessly cries out for healing. Isn't that what desperation does? It can free you to shamelessly cry out to Jesus for help. Now, there were those who were actually embarrassed by this desperation. I'm just going to give you a little, a little, just one little Greek word. I couldn't help it. I'm a pastor. One little Greek word study, okay? This is the Greek word, krazo. Cry. That's the Greek word for cry. It means to call aloud in a shrieking manner. Like the cry of a raven. That's what it sounded like to their ears. It's a word used to indicate when someone was filled with either one of two things, terror or complete desperation. The disciples and others hear this crazo, this shrieking, this annoying, loud shrieking, 
his desperate cries for, for mercy from Jesus, and Bartimaeus' desperation was so deep, it made them uncomfortable. It's embarrassing. Stop it. It's annoying. It's loud. It hurts our ears. And what's Bartimaeus' response? He shrieks even louder, <laughs> even harsher for more mercy. He doesn't care what they think. His desperation has created an unquenchable thirst to connect with Jesus. A desire so strong that even peer pressure or cultural norms are powerless to keep him from meeting with his Lord. And that's why Jesus loves desperation. Jesus commands, hey, bring him to me. Bring him through the crowd. Bring him up here. And Jesus overrides all the concerns of the well-mannered people who were uncomfortable with desperation, those that were self-reliant, those who were, in fact, not desperate. The blind man springs up. Don't let that go unnoticed. He's a blind man, and he can't see, and he springs up to Jesus. Jesus asks, what do you want from me? Jesus already knew what he wanted, but he knew the blind man wanted to say it. There was healing in the saying, if you will. Jesus grants the request, and based upon the faith of this blind man, the blind man just rejoices, and Jesus has, the scripture says, a new follower. There's a reason he's named in the story. Most times, these people who were healed weren't named. You know why this one was named? He became a famous follower of Jesus later on. Everybody knew who Bartimaeus was in the years to come. His display of desperation inspires others to worship God. So let me talk about a couple things. That's the story for tonight, but let me just say just really quickly just a couple of things. I want to talk about when desperation is ugly. There are a couple of times when desperation is ugly. In recovery, desperation isn't so great sometimes, especially if you have a little clean time under your belt, right? Sometimes, especially in recovery, we come to the place where we find it necessary socially and reputationally to hide our desperation. Because pride might keep us from acknowledging the fact that we are getting to the point where we're on the edge. We're starting to get desperate. It's going to happen. We don't want to appear vulnerable or weak, however, because we have a recovery reputation to uphold. Those are moments that we see desperation not as a gift, but we see it as something ugly, a nuisance, a hindrance, something that we need to work very hard to hide. But hiding our desperation makes us just like those who are what? Just like those who were embarrassed by Bartimaeus. Self-reliant. And when we are embarrassed by our own desperation, we will do, and we've seen this, right, in recovery, if we are embarrassed by our desperation, we will do whatever it takes to conceal it, to deny it, to explain it away, to cover it up. And there are times, though, here's another way it's ugly. There are times where we abuse the appearance of desperation for manipulative, selfish gain, right? I see it a lot on Facebook, right? We can use desperation to manipulate other people into giving us things or attention that we want by putting on a show to invoke sympathy, right? That is ugly desperation. Playing the role of victim for personal gain, that's not beautiful desperation. That's arrogant self-service is all that is. We really aren't desperate for Jesus. We're desperate because we are feeling entitled, and we want people to know why. 
Then there's other times when desperation is missing. There are times when we are on a roll with our recovery. We're on a roll with our walk with Jesus. We're praying, we're reading the Bible, we're going to church, we're doing service, we're working the steps. We are kicking it, man. The last thing we are at those times is desperate. We're actually a little confident. Going to meetings, working the steps, spiritually doing the right things, we're knocking it out of the park for Jesus. Some people call this, and I don't know if I like this phrase, they call it on fire for Jesus. I don't know what that means. Like, how do you know when you are on fire, and if you recognize it, is that too arrogant, and now you're off fire? And how do you get back on fire? I don't know. It's, it's hard, right? And yes, working the steps and going to meetings, all that stuff is very important. But if you do it without desperation... It's going to end in catastrophe. I don't believe God wants us to be on a roll in our recovery. Give that up. I think he wants us to be in desperation. A state of desperation. God wants us to be desperate in our recovery at all times. Because that leads us to when desperation can be beautiful. What could possibly make this thing called desperation beautiful? When could desperation be considered a blessing? Let's look at this pick here. So this kind of desperation right here is what Jesus loves to see in us. This is what makes desperation beautiful. Because beautiful desperation drives you to reach a hand and cry out to Jesus, our only hope, just like it did for Bartimaeus. Beautiful desperation that frees us to relentlessly cry out for this mercy, regardless of what others may think. Well, I thought he had a lot of clean time. Suddenly now he's desperate. Yeah, I'm desperate. I'm not ashamed of it. Beautiful desperation is that moment that we recognize, yo, we're blind. And we desperately need Jesus to help us see, just like Bartimaeus did. Beautiful desperation inspires us, frees us to cry out regardless of the obstacles and the circumstances. Beautiful desperation, you know what else it does? This is the best part. Beautiful desperation will miraculously transform your value system in a, maj in a majestic way that enables you to live by hope. For the first time ever. I know this from my own personal experience. When I experienced the deepest desperation of my life on September 24th, 2007, when I lost my 18-year-old daughter in a car accident. I was desperate. God, I don't know how I'm going to continue in living. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to be a pastor? I was desperate. And it completely changed what I thought was important from that day forward. And let me tell you something. Of course, I wish my daughter were still here, but it's definitely for the better. My value system has been transformed. Look at this picture here. I want you to stop for just a minute. Who was leading worship? What was his name? Yeah, he was really good. I'm a little jealous. You can sing, okay? Yeah. But he talked about resetting, right? I thought that was really, really good. I want you to think about the joy you felt the first time ever in your recovery. When that moment of desperation 
got you into a transformational meeting with Jesus. Do you remember that time? Let's go back there for a moment. Let's just go back to that glorious, majestic time in your life. You probably didn't have a job, very little money, broken relationships, probably didn't even have a car, some of you. Some of you might have been homeless. I don't know, but I know this. You look back on it now and you say, man, that was a sweet moment. Think about the joy when in that moment your desperation at high speed collided with grace and mercy and release. That moment when we have the joy of recognizing our desperate condition has no hope but our Savior. That moment that we realized that our desperation was the secret sauce we had been missing to true spirituality and true successful recovery, it begins with this precious, precious gift of beautiful desperation. Now listen, as a pastor, I'm just going to say, I hear lots of stories in recovery about how someone got a new job, healed a relationship, has a successful business. What do you call those, the gifts of recovery, something like that? I hear a lot of those stories, and listen, those are cool. I, I like them. They're all right. I don't remember any of them, but they're good. But they don't really excite me that much. Is that wrong to say? I love the stories when an addict recounts their moment of beautiful desperation. Those are the ones I dig. Those are the times when at Celebrate or Grace Life Recovery on Monday nights, I'm listening to somebody, and I might take a note and write a name down, and some of the, oh, that was really good. Are you desperate tonight? Or are you just comfortable? See, I'm more excited for you and your prospects of recovery if you're desperate than I am for someone who isn't. Because desperation is the best path frankly, the only path to tapping in to the power that you need from Jesus in your life to live in recovery. Tonight, we should all desire a story just like Bartimaeus. Something that goes like this, maybe. I was hopeless. I was desperate. I could hear Jesus approaching, and I cried out for his mercy. Some were turned off by it, but I didn't care. I knew my beautiful desperation was the very first step, right, to liberation, my healing, my transformation. He called for me. I got up and I followed. I was forever transformed, and from this day forward, I will desperately seek him the rest of my life. You want a story like that? So instead of praying for success in recovery or happiness in recovery, perhaps our daily prayer should look like this and put this up. I just kind of wrote this out. It's not the greatest prayer in the world. It's not like the Our Father or anything, but it'll work. As I sit in desperation, perhaps for the first time in a while, I crave the peace of your presence and grace that can rescue me from my plight. Through the gift of desperation, I cry out for your intervention. It's the only way I will ever truly be able to follow you and work these steps that can save my life.